Coming up on the In-Depth with Graham Bensinger podcast, Bryce Dallas Howard. If you're being raised in a household where your parents are doing the thing that you aspire to do, I mean, that's, that's an amazing gift. I sat down with the star of the Jurassic Park franchise in Los Angeles to discuss her storytelling roots. It is a beautiful tradition in, in our family. And how dad, Ron, inspired her career as an actress and director. I don't think he realized that I was kind of like a computer sort of taking everything in. Plus, Bryce opens up about a terrifying time in her childhood when the Howard family's security was threatened. It was like, why can't I call my friends? And, you know, they don't want to explain to me because, like, freaking phones are tapped, trying to find where we are. And the choice her parents ultimately made to raise their kids away from Hollywood. My mom was very, very, very focused on creating a childhood that wasn't a reflection of the of the privilege that I was being raised in. All that's coming up next right here on the In-Depth with Graham Bensinger podcast. So I wanted to start with the, the book that uh, your dad and Clint wrote. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So many of our family memories are captured because we are storytellers and because we like to revisit those memories together. And so then when you go and write a memoir, you know, those those memories are right there. There's the memory of the actual event and and then there's the the kind of snapshot that you inherit consistently when a story is told and retold and retold and that kind of snapshot shot kind of comes to life and um and it may not actually <laughs> you know it may be embellished there may be exaggeration it's a part of being great storytelling yeah exactly sure. it's told from a perspective um but it is it is a beautiful tradition in in our family well what was your initial reaction the first time you read the book it's very 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 emotional to read something that your parent has written about their own life in particular their childhood. In what ways was it that for you? My grandmother had this phrase that she said about my dad when he was born, where she said he was born with a four-leaf clover behind his ear. And when I was born, she actually said the same thing about me. It's very lucky to be born into a family with two parents who love each other and are kind of awesome and support their kids and all of that. And and that's the experience that my dad and my uncle had growing up. And then that's what they have passed on to us. To, to what extent, when you were reading it on paper, did you notice or become aware of similarities in upbringings that you might not have otherwise realized? Very much so, because it's it's all in our, our family when my grandfather and, and grandmother essentially chose to leave Oklahoma as young people. Uh, and they first went to New York and then, and then they came out to Los Angeles. I mean, that was a very, very, very big choice for both of their families, for my grandmother's family and for my grandfather's family. And almost like immigrants, I mean, went there without knowing anybody. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's it, any time, you know, it's, it's breaking into a, a, a new kind of industry or life experience or whatever it is, it's, you know, you're, 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 you're changing the course of your family's legacy. And that's what my grandparents did. You know, we're just we're just really grateful that we got to grow up in that environment because it is a 
huge advantage to get to see what it takes to have a career as an artist, mm -hmm. to make money as an artist. That's really hard to do. And it takes a lot of luck and it takes a lot of um, kind of like chance opportunities being in the right place at the right time. But if you're being raised in a household where your parents are doing the thing that you aspire to do, I mean, that's, that's an amazing gift. I think my, my, my dad getting to see his parents be artists and in many ways struggling artists and, and finding a way to navigate that and to, you know, to always prioritize their marriage, each other, their family. I mean, that I think is at the core of, of, of the kind of, you know, the Howard ethos. I definitely showed interest in storytelling and writing and directing and acting at a very young age. And I loved to hang out on sets. Um, but when I was on set, that was like, I, I, I got no greater joy out of anything than being on set. And so my mom really wisely <laughs> realized that the most effective punishment was to ground me from set. And she only had to do it once. I, I remember it like it was yesterday. I was 11, 10, 11 years old. My dad was doing Far and Away. And I don't know if I was being rude to my mom or you know what had happened. I hadn't followed through on something, something. Uh, and the consequence was that I wasn't allowed to go to set and I lost it and I was like you are ruining my life <laughs> like this is the worst thing that's ever happened to me you can't take that away from me and it was really an an indication of how much I loved being around all of that obviously and I was very lucky too because my dad since he was so used to having you know himself being a child on a movie set he sort of felt like that was appropriate, I guess. It wasn't such a weird thing to bring your kids to a movie set since he had effectively been raised on movie sets as well. I got to experience so many things that were just, I mean, kind of mind-blowing and really defined me as a person. I mean, falling asleep on my dad's lap at dinner with George Lucas and Kurosawa, like, you know, putting, putting on the cocoon uh, like the the masks of the aliens and Madison's tail and Splash, all the I always got to go and 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 sit in with my dad during dailies, all the things that everybody said during dailies about filmmaking and storytelling and performance and you know the the visual medium, all of it I, that they were talking while watching dailies, and I just remember it. You know, and sometimes an actor would come in and I would get to see how they responded to something. And, um, and my dad, I, I don't think he realized that I was kind of like a computer sort of taking everything in and how much that would mean to me and how much that would kind of add up over time because I would be like, oh, the time that the DP struggled with this and I watched that happen and they figured this out and then it worked out and I can apply those things, you know. The entire process uh, was something that I was just deeply invested in. And I think I felt that way because my dad included me 
at a very young age. And when I say a very young age, I mean like sincerely four, five years old, real conversations about the, the challenges, the creative obstacles, the logistical obstacles that he was facing. Um, asking my opinions about creative matters. He would tell me the, and, and when I say me, I mean, you know, this is, my siblings are included in this. Um, he would he would tell me the stories of his movies or movies that he was developing or thinking of, of doing when he would drive me to school to see how it would land. <laughs> and I mean, that's really cool. <laughs> Like, that's very cool. Right. That's a fun childhood. Your parents have been married almost 50 years. Uh, how, how did their relationship impact what you looked for in a partner? My parents are really lucky to have each other because they met very young. They've grown up together. And they've grown up together in a way that is very in sync. So, you know, sometimes a relationship is meant to represent kind of a chapter of your life and then people grow apart and all of that. And, and that's not anyone's fault. So I, you know, I credit them with that a lot also, but, but I, but I've seen it. Like they're just, they're, they're soulmates. Like my parents are legitimately soulmates. And I think that for myself, for my siblings, um, for everyone in our family, we look at my parents' relationship, we look at my grandparents' relationship, and it's a remarkable model for how to live your life with integrity and love. And um, my mom, she always would say this thing that was from her dad that we've all adopted. And it really, I think, has protected a lot of us. So I'll impart it, and who knows if it's in anything, but like, you know, everyone in this room. So never date anyone you would not marry. <laughs> because you know in the beginning, you know. You're like, I want to marry the guy, but you know, we're just gonna have some fun. Because she's like, you're, you're at great risk of falling in love. <laughs> Don't date anyone you wouldn't marry. And I think that idea of marriage and what and the qualities a person needs to have to be in a marriage is very different than, you know, being in a relationship or like, you know, as a boyfriend or girlfriend or whatever. And um, and and those qualities of just sort of like. Yeah, just commitment, just real, real commitment, real integrity, real transparency. Um, has has been awesome to witness. Explain what she also told you about putting marriage before the kids. Oh yeah, yeah. My mom, my mom. Um, I once asked my mom if she, like, if she had to choose between her kids and my dad, like, what she would choose, and she did not skip a beat. She was like, "Oh, I would, I would choose your father." <laughs> and my dad, he says this thing where he's always like, you guys leave. Like, she's staying. You guys leave. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to choose her side every single time. And it's true. I mean, they were married for a while before they started having a family. 
And they didn't know if they wanted to have kids. They so enjoyed each other's company. As Ron and Cheryl Howard raised their young family in the shadow of the Hollywood sign, they had to navigate the unique pressures that come with celebrity, including a frightening period that would inspire one of his most powerful films, Ransom. Growing up, we had some security issues that were, it was super scary. And we had to leave our house and there were, you know, incidents that uh, were just totally, totally terrifying um, and dangerous, highly, highly, highly dangerous, highly illegal, highly criminal, um, and not just like an inconvenience, like, like you know, r real, real malice involved. And the, the scariest part of all of that for you was what? I think the scariest part for me was that I, because I was the oldest child, I was aware something was going on. And it was like, why can't I? call my friends and you know they don't want to explain to me because like freaking phones are tapped trying to find where we are i remember the stress that my that my parents were under my mom had a couple of medical things that happened at that time where she had to go to the hospital for panic attacks and you know it was it was it was really it was just really scary and i just remember being on the move and there the the weirdest memory was um, during the LA riots because it was all happening around that time and the LA riots occurred and, um, and a bunch of folks showed up at our house and who were, I later found out like either part of like the FBI or like, you know, some protective measure and, um, and we're like, this is a vulnerable moment. They could strike. We gotta, we gotta move. Mm. And I, like, I saw like their firearms. I saw the, you know, hushed conversations, and 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 we were getting out of, you know, town quickly. And I was like, oh, this is a, like, this is a, mm, this is kind, of, this is, like, I don't feel safe. That's not awesome. But it's also the way my mom handled it, she's very fierce. And she was basically like, Ron, I don't want you to think about this. I'm gonna, I'm gonna deal with, with this situation. Wow. And so, um, and so yeah, and so, and so she did. And, 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 and then my dad kind of worked through it in effect with, um, with Ransom. My dad is such an artist. He's such an artist and he is constantly, constantly just discovering new ways to play the instrument that is, that is the human nervous system experience so that we, the audience, can go on a ride that is thrilling and is able to share his soul with his movies. And, and I just, you know, I, I, I'm very proud of him that he's able to do that. Not many people are able to do that. I, I was talking to your mom, Cheryl. She obviously felt very strongly about moving the family out of Los Angeles. What do you recall from that? I was born in Los Angeles and I have a lot of memories of kind of, you know, just, just being a kid in Encino. And apparently one day, someone, when I was at preschool, they gave me a script to 
bring home to my dad. I think assuming that maybe then my dad would read it and somehow turn around and be like, yes, <laughs> this is the movie I'm, I'm doing. Um, didn't quite have that effect. And I think my parents realized that being raised in Los Angeles, so much of the culture of, of this city is centered around the entertainment industry. And they sort of didn't want to raise us in an environment that, that felt that singular. And so, uh, and so we moved out to, to um, the East Coast, to Connecticut, and then eventually New York. And w was that devastating to you at the no, time? No, no. I felt like in Los Angeles, like my memories are very, they're very limited. They're like of the living room, the park. You know, it wasn't, because my parents were protective, they weren't bringing me to premieres or anything like that. And when we moved out to the East Coast, it just, I was in nature and people, my friends' parents were doing things that I had never been exposed to before. And, and I was getting to kind of hang out in, in different kinds of circumstances that I otherwise wouldn't have been able to theoretically at the time, given my parents' social structure or social circle and all of that in Los Angeles. It allowed me to um, have way more pets. I grew up on a farm, which was like not really a farm. It was just some land with a lot of pets. A lot of our pets actually were, um, came, <laughs> came to us in, in, a, in sort of random situations where like a neighbor woke up in his room one time when he was traveling um, in Vegas with a potbelly pig in his room that he must have like gambling or something okay. um, had landed him in that in that um, situation and so and so he was like would you guys take care of this pig and take this pig we had a sheep um, named Sally and then we found out at near the end of Sally's life because you know the majority of these animals had been adopted that Sally actually was named Rambo, and Sally was a boy. <laughs> we were like, oh, sorry, Sally. Um, Rambo, I mean, and we had goats um, that named after Willow characters, Sersha and Mad Morgan, and um, yeah, we just, I mean, a lot, just a lot of different snakes, you know, dogs and cats, obviously. So, as I understand, the dynamic was such that, you know, if you guys were flying somewhere as a family, your parents uh, might be in first class, but they had the kids sitting in economy. Or if you yeah, guys yeah, yeah. were going to a store, um, you could not ask that they buy something yeah. for you. And then there were chores. Like, it, it, give me a little color, if you don't mind, into yeah, yeah. Like that dynamic. So, my, my mom in particular really did not grow up in any kind of financial privilege. And she was really terrified, honestly, to raise kids in an environment where there was access to kind of everything. And she, she observed a lot of kids who had credit cards and, you know, there were no limits and, and seemed to not have any obstacles in their lives. And, and it actually led to a lot of um, problems, addiction and, you know, very low self-esteem. And, and it's kind of, it's a huge waste. My mom was very, very, very focused on creating a childhood 
that wasn't a reflection of the of the privilege that I was being raised in. That's something that she thought was very important for kids was to to do a lot of physical labor, not for their own means, physical and, labor in service. And what was that physical labor for you? I mean, specifically, I'm sure my mom told you about this, mucking out the goat barn. Did you talk about that, mucking uh, out the goat barn? She only mentioned it in like passing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 mucking out the goat barn. Um, yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's. I mean, these are, these are like things that- Wait, that, so that would entail what? Well, it's just, I just, I spent, I spent a large part of my weekends raking you know, feces, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> animal, animal feces with hay and making sure that it was taken out of their pen. She was so. saying, uh, she heard it, another uh, parent once saying, uh, you better be good or I'm going to make you go to uh, Mrs. Howard's yeah. house. Yeah, you better be good. Otherwise, I'm going to make you go to Mrs. Howard's house. Yeah, that was a threat uh, that other parents would love the other children. The impact you think that had on you guys though was what my mom was really strict and she was strict for good reason because we were being raised in privilege like my parents weren't going to give us their money like they don't believe in that and so they knew that when we were 18 we were going to need we were going to need to take care of ourselves i think also because my dad by the time he was 5 i think he was out earning his parents um and and my mom in her childhood was working at a very young age. She soloed her first airplane when she was 16. She was managing a gun range. <laughs> she she was was really, you know, she she had a single dad and she was responsible in large part for raising her younger sisters. And and so my parents both had a lot of responsibility as young people. And so naturally, they were like for our own kids, we should make sure that they that they have a sense of what responsibilities are like and responsibilities that aren't because it's their passion and the thing they love to do. Responsibilities because of the brotherhood of man. Responsibilities because you gotta work hard when you're a human being. Um, and I really, I really, really appreciate it. I also am astutely aware of the fact that her strictness was in reaction to the privilege that doesn't mean that the privilege ever went away. Uh, why, when you first started, uh, did you make the decision to drop your last name? Oh, so yeah, when I first when I first started um, auditioning and working and, and and all of that, I I just went as Bryce Dallas because I when you're when you're a kid of you definitely are totally aware of not only your access to privilege, but other people's awareness of your access to privilege. Mm -hmm. And so working without using my last name and just people not knowing when I went to college, people didn't know about it. Um, that was just me uh, for my own sort of ego, honestly, just being like, you know, can I, w without people knowing this, how will I be treated? What's possible? Can I make it? And then when I started to work, my parents, I'll never forget this, my, 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 my dad was like, listen, um, I just wanted to ask you about like dropping your, your last name because um, we're fully supportive, but are you 
Like, are you not proud of our family? And I was like, no, no, I'm so proud of the family. And I feel so lucky. And, um, and so I, yeah, so I went back to, you know, my, my full name. And also I think it's, it's kind of, it, it really was just about my insecurity. It was about like me in my own head. It, it wasn't, you know, trying to prove it to myself. And that's okay, you know, that's fine. But at the end of the day, I, like I am a Howard, that is a reality. And I'm very grateful for that. A, a huge kind of motivating factor for me in my work has been the desire to work with my dad because I love spending time with him. Like, it's definitely still a dream of mine to get to work with him as an actor. What's, what's been fun is that there's been a couple of projects that I've gotten to work with him on that I've directed. So I, I directed a documentary called Dads that was um, very special to us in our family. Your dad got emotional in it? My dad got quite emotional in it, yep, 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 yep. And so it's it's that was a very special thing to get to collaborate with him. But I say collaborate with him, but I like literally had to trick him into being interviewed. And then I didn't show him the movie until it was done <laughs> because he kept being very stressed about being in the film. And he was like, I don't think people are gonna have patience for a love letter from you to me. Like, he's like, just please don't put me in this movie. And I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. And then I was like, oh, it's all done. Sorry, mm -hmm. can't change it. That's it for my chat with Bryce Dallas Howard. Head over to youtube.com slash Graham Bensinger to check out our Ron Howard content, which features Bryce talking about her dad's career highs and lows and how his nice guy personality can sometimes hide his intensity as a filmmaker. Thanks for listening. Please remember to rate, review, and subscribe.